It's Arcand and Kyrie on WEEI. WEEI. I just say, I'm a Patriot fan, big time, first. And more than anything, it it bothers me that we haven't been able to win a playoff game in the last three years. And I'm happy that um, we had a great, I think we had a great draft last year and it made up for what happened the previous four years or so. And I look forward to hopefully having a great draft this year. That's the only way you can build your team for it long term and consistently that uh, you have a chance of winning is having a good draft. All right, good afternoon. Welcome in Sports Radio WEEI. It's Friday, everybody. It's Christian Arkin. It's Kyrie Thompson. Got my man Jackson back there behind the glass taking your phone calls all afternoon at 617-779-7937. He also put that together right there. Robert Kraft uh, speaking before the draft with a uh, truck backing up in the background, uh, which was very loud. But you could hear what he was saying and you could hear uh, his tone. And those words, I think, have echoed all season long, Kyrie. I really yeah. do. I think that, that that whole thing about we haven't won a playoff game in a couple of years, we want to turn that around this year. He talked about building through the draft with one year after they had just signed all these free agents. There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of I think, combative words there uh, from Robert Kraft. And when I say combative, I don't mean he hates Bill Belichick or anything, but it was calls to action. It was calls to action in that this isn't acceptable and uh, it's time to start turning these things around. That was... In the off season, obviously, here we are now coming into uh, yep, that was way back in March. And, yep. And by the way, it's like that was at the that that quote took place at the NFL annual meeting, which was not at Gillette Stadium. But man, for the background noise, it might as well have been because when you do any it was kind very of, apropos, right? That, that just a dump truck backing up, and then that, that's what the yes. season is now. <laughs> yes. Or, or rather, when you're at Gillette Stadium and you do any kind of interview or uh, hit outside, there's just construction happening all the time, Mm -hmm. which is also pretty apt. This thing is still under construction, and it's been under construction forever. Yes. When is Um, it going to be done? I don't know. When the the lighthouse is done, I guess. (laughs) Same thing. Uh, It'll be uh, right around then. Um, You wrote today about how this is a winner-go-home situation for the Patriots. There's a ton on the line uh, for the Crabs, for Bill Belichick, for Mac Jones. But um, as you were sort of writing this, what what, what were you realizing about this team in this game? The fact that if you had just taken care of business against a bad Bears team, Mm -hmm. a a currently 3-12 Bears team, or you had not thrown, literally thrown the game away against the Raiders, or you had not fumbled away the game, where you had the ball at the five-yard line with a chance to win, you wouldn't be in this position. And, and, and it's wild to think about those breaks, those things that could have happened. And, and, and I mean, the, the fact that, yeah, okay, a lot of these wins were off of bad quarterbacks, bad teams, and, and what have you. But the fact that it, it's, it's those kind of three things currently – that have the Patriots right now, they must win these next two games. The fact that they're even still able to say that, mm. the fact that you still could technically control, you, you do control your destiny, right? If you, if you win out, you're in. If you lose even one of these games, it's done. It's academic, which maybe they prefer it that way. You know, it makes things a lot simpler. 
But I just keep thinking about the fact that all you had to do was not screw up a couple of times this year, and you did because that's what you do now. Yeah, that's uh, that's really it. And it's not just it's not just something that happened this year. Last year at the end of the season, outside of that Jacksonville game, which they won big, they got humiliated pretty much four weeks in a row uh, going into that playoff game, too. And that was, uh, you know, I think that was sort of a shock. That was kind of a culture shock or a shell shock for a lot of Patriots fans who maybe bought in more to that seven-game winning streak than other fans did or people on sports radio did or even, you know, you guys in the on the beat did because we all sort of saw what we saw last year. And this year they won a couple of games that exact same way. And I feel like... You know, Kraft can go on about, you know, I want playoff wins, I want this, I want that, and I'm sure he does, and that's all well and good, but I don't think that there was really any improvement from last year to this year in the grand scheme of things. You could say the defense got better. I'd agree with you. The defense is probably a little bit better. Uh, The offense got demonstrably worse. Um, The attention to detail, I think, wasn't great last year. Horrific this year. Yeah, um, really. I mean, there's not there's not many things you can point to. The pass rush got a little bit better. I'd say that's basically it. I mean, look, you basically went into this season with the same personnel group with a couple of minor additions that were supposed to help you out. Devontae Parker's addition was supposed to kind of down ballot, help the rest of the receiver room not be playing out of position. One thing I pointed out a lot was that Nelson Aguilar was being used a lot as an outside receiver last year, which is not necessarily what you want him to be doing all the time. He's played his best football when he's been able to move around, play in the slot, and, and, and do all of that. You know, be be a mismatch with his speed and quickness and, and, and everything. And so that was supposed to help. Didn't really help him because unlike last year, see, Aguilar's got that reputation. Right. He only dropped like one pass last year. Yeah. He really wasn't the that that Nelson Aguilar from the Philadelphia Eagles, the one that, that everybody likes to make fun of. But this year he was that guy. And so now it's like, okay, well, great. That, you know, Devontae Parker didn't work out, though, I mean, not entirely through fault of his own. Some of it's health. You knew he was going to miss some games because he always misses games. And he generally produced when you threw the ball in his direction and it wasn't being thrown to a defender because that was the other part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, just look, man, like they, they went into this year essentially trying to run it back yeah. from what they had last year and be like, okay, a, a tweak here, a tweak there. Um, simplify the offense a little bit, and it'll be just fine. And they got exactly, I mean, more or less, look, I, I, I called it, right? You had your first four games, they basically went the same as they did last year, and then you you go into this, this soft part of the schedule, you more or less clean it up, except for that Bears game, which is now looming really large. But we all expected what, what is happening right now to happen. I don't know that we expected it to happen the way it happened. Right. But we did expect it to happen this way. No one was I don't think anyone was like looking at the at the before the season, you know, oh, Jacoby away, Myers what's a totally win, what's throw a loss. The Chandler Jones. There's probably gonna be some play where Chandler Jones picks off an errant lateral and then flattens Mac Jones and runs it in and the time expires for a walk off touchdown. I don't think anyone had that in their bingo card, but you never know. Um there's a lot on the line here for this game, and if they win in the next game against Buffalo, let's Let's go ahead and start with the three most important people in the organization. What's on the line here for Mac Jones? Uh, if you if you look at a uh, at a potential, I think that he has the potential to not save the season, but at least reclaim some of it for himself. If he goes out there and has a great game against Miami, and they move on and play uh, and play the Buffalo Bills, and he rises to the occasion and has a big number uh, like he did against Minnesota, for example, like a number like that with a couple of touchdown passes, and looks like he's really in control of the offense, then I think. You may not say 
it was a good season, but you can say, you know what, it wasn't all bad. And Mac Jones showed that he could eventually rise above all the adversity that he faced this year and uh, win games when it counts. Because this is an important, this is basically a playoff game, right? I mean, this yes. is technically yes, is. a playoff. Yes, game. it's it's all playoffs from now on. Yeah, that that is what it is. You, and I think they set it down there at Gillette Stadium. If you like playoffs, that's great. <laughs> we are in the playoffs right now. You lose, you go home. It's really that simple. With Mac Jones, I I said a couple of times this year that. I thought the process was going to be more important than the results on it, it, for, for a couple of reasons. But yeah, we, would we all love him to be thrown for 300 yards and three touchdowns every single game? Sure, but that's not the reality for most young quarterbacks, especially when they're not surrounded by elite talent. I mean, if Mac Jones was doing that, if he, if he was averaging 300 yards a game and three touchdowns, that would mean he's one of the best quarterbacks in football when you're doing it with... Jacoby Myers and Devontae Parker and and Nelson Aguilar, right? Mm -hmm. So the reality is it was was never going to be quite that good. But the thing is, not only has everything else been bad around him, because it has been bad, whether it's been the protection at times, whether it's been the execution by the wide receivers, what have you, but some of his own execution has also just not been as good. He also has not been as steady as he needs to be with all of that adversity going on around him. So look, I, I would say there have been times this year. I think it would be it would be wrong of anyone to say that Mac Jones has been abjectly horrible all the time in terms of process. There have been games that were better than they looked, but there have also been games that were just as bad as they looked. <laughs> yeah. Like the Raiders and game. And they never looked good. That was yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that was horrid. That was just actual straight up bad quarterbacking by Mac Jones whereas mm. like the the Jets home game or something like that, that was actually a lot of decent quarterbacking yeah. with you know, a bunch of sacks and a bunch of poor execution. And otherwise. no touchdowns, which is what made it look worse. Yeah, it, it, it made he it He passed look, well in that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. It, it made it look worse, but he generally played pretty decently. So look, if you have a game like that in, in the last couple of, like basically your last two games look more like that Jets game with a touchdown or two sprinkled in, mm. but but the process looks generally good. He's throwing the ball to the right people. He's not putting the ball in harm's way. He's not looking like a deer in the headlights. I can feel fine about that. But if he plays like the Raiders game, then I mean, okay, I feel like you're having real discussions about whether or not he's your starting quarterback week one next year. Yeah, we'll cir- circle back to Mac a little bit later on uh, in the hour. What's at stake for Bill Belichick in this game? I think that's a big, real, relevant question. Um, is he going to get fired if they lose, a la, you know, Bedard's report in that Arizona game? I don't know if that's necessarily happening, and I know that's not exactly what he reported, but whatever. Um, I think that there is uh, a lot at stake here, though, for Bill Belichick, just in terms of um, what the last year, two years, three years of his tenure here in New England is going to look like and how it's going to be and what sort of role the crafts are going to have in uh, in some of the decisions that get made from here on out. Um, I think it's fair to say that uh, confidence has been lost in Bill Belichick this year already, regardless of what happens in these last two games. I don't know how it couldn't be. Um, he made some major, major mistakes this year. Yeah, major miscalculations. Look, I think it was always tripping to say that Bill Belichick's job hung on the Cardinals game, even though that was not a good game. And, I mean, you were very fortunate to get out of that with a win. And I feel like it would be stretching to say the same thing about this game against the Dolphins or even next week against the Bills. Because, look, if you win against the Dolphins, good on you. But you just don't – nothing that they do coaching-wise is going to help them beat that team because they're just better than you. It Mm. doesn't matter. doesn't matter what you do, in in my mind, unless they they decide to sit their players and and you go from there. But – 
I think that this isn't about Bill Belichick getting fired this offseason. That would shock me. That would be crazy. But I would say this. He goes into next year, and if you don't upgrade that roster and you don't get a competent player, a play caller around Mac Jones, and then you go out and do this again, I kind of feel like that, hey, uh, Bill, that retirement plan we've, been, we've all been talking about, we might have to accelerate this thing. And again, like it would not be a great look for Bill Belichick to go break Don Shula's record with another team. You, I, I don't think the Crafts want that to happen. They want it to happen here. Right. It would be a source of pride for them, too. It but, would be. But if he is not doing what is best, if he's not actually doing what's best for the football team, the way that he always says that he is, then you got to find somebody who will. Yeah, I agree with you there. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Uh, we're going to get into the Miami matchup. Miami uh, coming to New England on Sunday. They have owned the Patriots lately. Over the last few years, really kind of over the last like 10 years it's been uh, it's been pretty ugly late in the season and certainly the games in Miami although this one's in New England we'll uh, break down the matchup and we'll get to your phone calls right after the trending here with Jackson now here's what's trending on WEEI Contractors Wilmington Builder Supply has everything you need to make your next project a success with a full line of building materials including Matthews Brothers windows Wilmington Builder Supply has what you need. Get your new window project started with Matthews Brothers Windows today. WilmBuild.com. The Celtics beat the Clippers 116-110. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown had 29 points in the win. The Seas are off until Sunday when they head to Denver to play the Nuggets. Jalen Mills, Damian Harris, Adrian Phillips all returned to practice for the Patriots. Marcus Jones, Jack Jones, Devontae Parker, and Jonu Smith were all absent. And the Bruins are off until tomorrow when they host the Sabres at 1 p.m. That is what's trending on WEEI and WEEI.com. Get Boston Sports Original on the go. Wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. We're right back to it. It's Arcand and Kyrie on WEEI. And that's going to do it. The Miami Dolphins, 8-3 and three at home against the Patriots since 2012. And Mike McDaniel gets his first W as a head coach in the National Football League. Sports Radio, WEEI, Christian Arkin, Kyrie Thompson here with you, taking you up until 6 o'clock. We'll be joined by Andrew Callahan at 3 o'clock. He is the uh, Patriots beat writer, or a Patriots beat writer, I should say, for the Boston Herald, along with uh, Karen Garigian. They do a great job over there. I uh, look forward to talking with him in the 3 o'clock hour here on this Patriots Friday. We, uh, we're discussing what this game means for uh, various people, and I think that it's important to remember here that uh, the Miami Dolphins, for some reason, just completely own the Patriots. Really, it's been uh, it's been going on for some time now. Tua Tagovailoa has never lost to them. They're not playing Tua this week. But even when it wasn't Tua, I remember them having trouble with guys like Cleo Lemon back in the day. Like, there's, uh, there's always, I think, been sort of a thing about going to Miami in the winter and playing a game down there and not being used to the elements. And I don't know, it's a game with the Gronkowski uh, deke on that crazy lateral yeah. play at the end a couple years ago. Like, it just sort of seems like something bad weird luck. always happens. Um, bad luck, but also... You 
know, the Patriots don't really do themselves any favors. Um, the Devontae Parker, that was the Devontae Parker game, right, where he schooled uh, uh, Stephon Gilmore. Was that that same game, 20, I think? 2019, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it goes it goes back a ways. If you want to just go back two years to 2020, um, you had that uh, game where Salvin Ahmed rushed for 122 yards and then disappeared forever. I never saw him again. <laughs> and uh, that was the highest total of Miami rushing game. They beat him 22-12. to 12. Uh, you had the uh, Dolphins winning the season opener in 2021, even though they got outgained. Uh, Xavier Howard recovered a fumble inside the 10-yard line January of 2022. Um, that was uh, Dolphins run- once again rushing for all those yards. It was Duke Johnson. I was actually at that game. Um, I went down there for my birthday last year, and I don't remember too much of it because we were partying pretty hard in the tailgate afterwards, but I can tell you this, Kyrie, after the game, we're all crossing the bridge there. You know, uh, you know yeah. that bridge that goes over the road? And everyone stopped at the same time. It was me and all these, like, you know, let's go Brandon Dolphins fans. Oh <laughs> like, we're all crossing the bridge. Oh and as we crossed the bridge, everybody at the same time got an alert that said that Bob Saget died. And we all stopped on the bridge and reacted to the passing of Bob Saget. It was a, it was a weird moment. You know, a big group of strangers, all of us Bob Saget fans, obviously, because who's not? And uh, we all sort of had a little moment on the bridge there after that game. It wow, was, uh, that is... It was uh, touching, you know? Wow, that, that, is, that is... I'll take random stories for, <laughs> for 500. About as random as... Hey, it's something that happened in the game. I don't remember much of the actual game except Duke Johnson uh, rushing for all those yards. And then, of course, you had uh, this one here with um, Brandon Jones and the uh, strip sack of Mac Melvin Ingram taking that into the end zone and uh, the Patriots losing to Mike McDaniel in his first ever game. Um, what do you think? We talked with, uh, with Tommy Curran about this a little bit yesterday. What do you think is the is the main reason for the Dolphins just owning the Patriots lately? I think that uh well some some of it yeah you can go ahead and point to the the elements part but even I mean you go to the last well six games they've only won one of them mm-hmm. right and that includes at Gillette Stadium. Yep. And I think that last year it's an offense under construction with you know rookie Mac Jones. This year, I think it's just dysfunctional offense down there in Miami. And it's like, okay, second year, Mac Jones, but you're, you know, first year offensive play caller. Guy's never done it before. You expect some growing pains and what have you. But you know what? Honestly, I just feel like for whatever reason, they, I mean, whether it's because they're not afraid of the Patriots or they're just able to minimize some of the mistakes that keep on killing the Patriots when, mm. whenever the two teams play each other. I mean, even when you think about that that crazy lateral play, right? Like almost like being outcoached, yeah. if we're going to be honest, because you put Gronk out there because you think a Hail Mary is going to happen, and then they don't do a Hail Mary, and they make you run around. They make Gronk play defense, and it doesn't work out, and, and, and little things like that. And I feel like that one win that they had, which was the season opener in 2020, against against the Dolphins where Cam Newton Cam just, Newton. just rushes. Right. And he just scores two touchdowns on the ground. And you, everyone's like, this Cam Newton guy is going to be awesome. Yeah. You just can't <laughs> you, you just out physical them. Right. Right. But then later on in the year and, and last year, you got out physical by them. They mm-hmm. just straight up beat you. They beat you down on the ground, in the trenches. And I think that's probably the bigger issue. You could talk about the the elements or what have you, but they just straight up wanted it more. I don't really know what to say. And then this year, the difference in that first game, obviously you could talk about the the, the newness of the offense and all that, but it's not as if the Dolphins were good, but they were just more talented than you were. Yeah. They just made more plays than you did. Yeah. Really as simple as that. It's absolutely uh, absolutely right. Uh, last year, I know Jalen Waddell in that game, I think, set the record for 
completions by a rookie or something. Yeah. It was some some mm-hmm. record that he set in that game. Again, we're, we're tailgating pretty hard there. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, just I, I remember thinking, man, you know what? This is going to be like all those other games. And it basically was. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of familiarity there. That never helped, like, the Buffalo Bills over the years. But for whatever reason now, you know, with Flores a couple years ago and, you know, the guys that they have in there now, it seems like they just have, uh, they just have the Patriots number. And no matter Teddy Bridgewater, Tua Tagovailoa, whoever it is, I sort of feel like that's just something like a specter that's kind of hanging over this game. It, it, with, with Tua, it's again, it's not that he's even been that good. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's not that they've gotten some amazing quarterbacking throughout that time. It's just that they do it. They do enough, right? They convert enough third downs. They hold the ball. See that? That's another mm. thing. Is that I? I feel like the one of the big issues that the Patriots have have always wanted to win in terms of time of possession, and you're know, just grinding out possessions and getting the most out of them. That's what the Dolphins do to the Patriots. Okay, they just keep the ball for a really long time. You think about when when I I think about the games that they had last year. In, in particular, in that first game, the season opener, where they scored touchdowns on the first drives of mm-hmm. the first half and of the second half. Yep. And that was really it for them. They, they got one other field goal the rest of the time, but they had the football for a long time. And I think that's really just the formula. I mean, it, it doesn't help, obviously, that the Patriots can't hold on to the ball because their offense is so dysfunctional and they don't know how to run their own third down plays. But then you, you throw that in and... and the Bengals showed that last time. Yep. They just held on to the ball the entire first half. You you had no chance to score. You you didn't have the football. Uh, 617-779-7937 is your phone number. We see you lined up here. Let's start it off with Tim in Hanover, uh, who has a thought on Teddy Bridgewater. Hey, Tim. Hey, guys. Love the show. Christian, I'm, I listen to you all the time now since you've been back. Well, I Tim, love, thanks uh, a lot. Takes, Thank man. you very much. Happy New Year to you. Same here. Hey, I just want to say... Um, it seems like a lot of people are underestimating Bridgewater. Bridgewater is an above-average quarterback. He's excellent. The only thing that hey, 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 Tim, you just said he's above. Man. Is he above average or is he excellent? Yeah, can't be. It's got to be no, one or the yeah, other. Right? He, all right, <laughs> above average, man. He's okay. good because if it wasn't for his leg injury, I would equal him like Watson. He was really good. He has great legs and he's got a strong arm. The only thing is I'm just hoping the Pats play a good game, and then I want to see Mac back with Bailey as his backup because they're both good quarterbacks. Bailey showed he can play too. Just a matter of getting the pots and pieces for next year and putting them in a better situation and get a new uh, offensive coordinator. Happy New Year to you guys. Right back at Thanks you there, so Tim. Much. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the kind words there too. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, I uh, I think is an adequate backup, probably one of the better backups in the NFL. He's an above average backup. Would you say? I mean, what other backups would you take ahead of him? I'm not sure that there's too many. Not many. Of no. course, Bailey Zappi, the greatest uh, quarterback yeah. in the league. But other than him, I, he's you know, the next Tom Brady. <laughs> other than Man, him, there's I, not I many. Pe- yeah. I had people sitting up there down in in the press, in, in the locker room. Actually, I remember this this conversation happening. Where he was at the podium, somebody showed a picture and was like, oh my goodness, he even looks like a young Tom Brady. And I'm like, do you need a lobotomy? Someone said that about Bailey Zappi? Yes. <laughs> they, that, he, that he actually looks in a picture. Jackson like, looks more like Tom Brady. <laughs> like, like, a, like a young Tom oh, Brady. Thank you, sir. And, and it's just like, okay, uh, go ahead and take a moment here and get fitted for corrective lenses. Yeah. Um, but that's what Zappi fever did to everybody. Or pass that Chandler Jones joint you got there. <laughs> whatever i don't know that's uh yikes yeah. um yeah I'm, I'm looking at it you know case keenum uh flacco 
Tyler Huntley with uh, with Baltimore. Yeah, there's Huntley, not, you know, yeah. Brissette maybe is up there, but like, there's not Trubisky. There's not many guys that I would take uh, in terms of you know backups. I guess Derek Carr is technically a backup. Maybe I take him, but like, other than that, there's yeah. really not. Uh, there's not many that you look at and think, "Ooh, I'd rather I'd rather uh, have him." Than Teddy Bridgewater, which isn't to say I think Teddy Bridgewater would be a good starter anywhere. But if you're going to have your guy go down in an offense where it sort of has that plug and play type of feel, you know what I mean? Like if you're an adequate quarterback and you can get the ball out, you should be able to make plays with these guys because that's what their offense kind of is. Get the ball in his hands, get the ball in his hands, do it quickly and let him make a play. Like if you're the quarterback, that's that's an ideal situation to be in if you're a backup, isn't it? Yes, exactly. I mean, if you're going to be a backup and, and we keep talking about this. You want players that, especially if you're on a good team, players can elevate you. Look at Brock Purdy down down in San Francisco. Is he God's gift to quarterbacking? No. Nobody thought he was. But he's showing he's showing poise. He's showing confidence. And he's just getting the ball to Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and letting that running game do its thing. Okay? that That's it. It's not George Kittle. Just, yep. just Get them the football. Don't try to be a hero. Let them help you out, okay? And and there are few places that are going to help you out more than being down in Miami where you can just Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle can take a 10-yard pass and turn it into a 90-yard touchdown. Or you can just chuck it over to Mike Gesicki somewhere and he can just one-hand stab it out of the air. Okay, like they, they, have, they have so many good options to work with. By the way, when you're talking about Teddy Bridgewater, I just I just plug this in for fun. Mm-hmm. Among quarterbacks that have played a minimum of 40 plays, I just did this on uh, you know the stats landing page, uh, you know Ben Baldwin's rbsdm.com, you know do that whole EPA thing. I mean, he's like middle of the pack, right? If, out, out of 58 quarterbacks that have played 40 snaps, he's like 22nd. Mm. I mean, he's solid. Yeah. He's not an elite quarterback. Nobody's saying that. He's he's a very good backup quarterback, and he's not necessarily somebody you should be afraid of. Do not be afraid of Teddy Bridgewater in this game. That said, he's more than competent enough to do what he needs to do and what what the Dolphins need him to do to win a game. That, that he's absolutely that is what a backup should be. Yeah, um, the Patriots have a pretty good run defense. The Dolphins have a decent running game. <clears throat> I like Mostert a lot. I don't. Uh, oh, I Wilson love is uh, Wilson's okay, and I think that kid Ahmed's still on the team. But um, you know, you, you sort of look at that and think, is Bill going to try and force them to run the ball, and is that a winning strategy for the Patriots? You just talked about how Miami holds on to the ball a lot, right? You run the clock down, you get in the end zone. All of a sudden, you know, uh, Mostert and those guys are, are picking up third downs. I mean, is this uh, is a Mostert or Mostert, by the way? It's most Mostert, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, like I just sort of I sort of wonder. Like we make a big deal out of these wide receivers and who's going to cover them. Um, what about the run game? In the I Patriots? mean, I, I think that, and, and I mean, one of the reasons I love Mostert. So over at Purdue, he was a track guy. He's mm-hmm. got he's got speed, speed. So just just one more time, I want to see him hit a crease and get it going because he could take it forever i mean you don't want to see him do that against the patriots of course and i'm sure mike mcdaniel's going to be trying to find a way to help that happen but yeah i mean i think that first and foremost this game should be about stopping the run which is what the patriots always say that they want to do the first thing they think about doing defensively is stopping the run and forcing you to be one-dimensional because here's the thing yeah they've got weapons and you don't want to let tyreek hill go off or jalen waddle go off or what have you but it's a different thing when you can make it so that they can't run the football, they can't keep you honest, so that at least you know the only way that they can beat you 
is through the air, and then you have options for how to slow Tyreek Hill down. You can bracket him with coverage down the field. You can beat him up at the line of scrimmage. When he's doing his thing where you know, he's misdirectioning in the backfield, right? He d- does the short motions, mm-hmm. and he'll stop, and he'll turn back, and he'll stop and turn back again. Okay, you can have a plan for that. They have had, they have had plans for that in the past. Some of them have worked with varying degrees uh, because I think he still, still had over 100 yards receiving in, in the first game they played this year. But, but look, it's all about making a team one-dimensional. If the, if the Dolphins can't run the football on them, that's just one less thing for you to be afraid of and one less thing that, that you have to be like, man, are they going to kill us on this, on this you know, second and, and two or whatever when we think that they're just going to pick it up and, no, they're going to air it out on us. Yeah, you want, you want Bridgewater to have to throw. You want to try and you know, yeah. force him to make these plays. He's a backup quarterback. You want to make the backup play. Yeah, exactly. And I think that uh, they do have a decent running game, but that's not what they're known for. And if they try and lean on that, I would like to think the Patriots would be able to take it away because I feel like lately they've been uh, they've been good against other teams with better running backs than uh, than Mostert, who I do like. But I think that uh, you know you, you sort of look at some of these games and some of these running backs. The Patriots have done a good job against a lot of them this year, and uh, that's uh, that's an important factor to consider. All right, back to the uh, back to the the passing game here. I just took a look at the injury report. It's not really an injury report, but uh, Jim McBride, a couple other people uh, noticed who was not at practice today. And it seems like you're going to have a very thin secondary, although Jalen Mills looked like he was there. Um, if Mills is playing, he missed about a month, right, at least? Yeah. That's, uh, that's a nice little baptism by fire as he comes back and has to keep up with the two fastest players in the league. Um, how, do you, how do you set up the secondary to deal with these guys? I mean, it's basically just going back to what it was last year, in, in a way, or at the start of the year, I should say, where you had... You know, Jonathan Jones and Jalen Mills being your outside cornerbacks and you're rolling with Miles Bryant in the slot. That's really all you can do. Mm. Okay, You want to avoid any possible scenario in which you've got to play Sean Wade in a starting lineup. And I feel like at least there, you've got a shot to me. And and you're and you're saying okay, like Wade is going to spell Miles Bryant and, and we'll, we'll deal with that in terms of getting Bryant rest whenever he needs it. Um, they might have Mills on a pitch count as well because groin injuries are tricky, but that's at least something. I mean, I, I feel like if there's one player back that that you that you could say like, okay, this is going to help the secondary more than any other one, it's probably going to be Jalen Mills, mm-hmm. which is not terribly inspiring, but it is what it is. He's a veteran; he knows how to play these guys. Yeah, um, and that's that counts for something. And while we all focus on the corners here and how uh, how much ground they're going to have to make up, I think something's going to have to fall to these safeties too. I mean, you're going to be seeing a lot of zone defenses. I know that uh, especially the free safeties and those have a lot more responsibility than they might in, uh, in, in man-to-man coverage. There's some veterans back there. There's guys who know and have played against faster players before. Devin McCourty's been burned by Tyreek Hill a couple of times, very famously with the Chiefs. He knows he knows where to be, right? Like I sort of yes. feel like that's at the very least they have the savvy to be able to to limit those sorts of things. Yeah, and I mean that's part of what Devin McCourty's sole purpose is at this point in his career is just erase the big plays down mm. the field, and, and occasionally they'll use him to drop down and and take some things away in the shorter part of the field, like that interception he had on the crossing route to Tyler Boyd. Yep. Kind of comes up and jumps that, and Boyd also stopped running, which was helpful too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, but this is also part of the reason why you had five safeties mm. right and and you had you know this this lineup of McCordy 
Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar, Jabril Peppers. To have that depth, to be able to to put speed and versatility on the field and be able to take away some of those throwing windows and be able to match up differently with different players. I mean, Adrian Phillips, it sounds like he was, he was dealing with an illness, but it sounds like he was back at practice, which would be a great sign. Please, he needs to be able to play because he's one of your best players. We don't talk about him a lot, but Adrian Phillips is one of the best players on the team gotta have him Kyle Duggar I mean he he has been a game changer in recent weeks Mm. but even for him he's best when the ball is in front of him when he doesn't have to be retreating in the deep part of the field or, or trailing anybody in coverage when he can come downhill and come get you that's where you want Kyle Duggar to be living so I think that the safeties this might be the game where if they win it we're probably looking at them being like Y'all made it happen. Yeah, you guys really picked up the slack here for some uh, for some injured rookies, even. But yeah, I mean that's uh, that's I think going to be a big part of all this. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. There's your phone number as we uh, detail this matchup: Patriots and the Dolphins coming your way on Sunday. Do or die for your New England Patriots. Coming up next. We'll get to our year in review, a 2022 retrospective. A lot of shows have been doing that across the uh, airwaves this week. We're finally dipping our toe into it. And we'll begin with our 2022 Plays of the Year. That's coming up next. Let's go. We're back. It's Arcand and Kyrie on WEEI. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. Radio WEEI, Boston Sports Original. Remember, you can listen to WEEI in your smart speaker. Just say, play 93.7 WEEI. And now's a good time to be playing it because we will uh, take a look back at the year that was, 2022, a year in review. Ah, yes. 2022, what a year it was. Uh, it's been a tough couple of years, I'd say, in general. Not, not for the sports teams in particular, but just for the earth. for like like the world it's been a tough couple of years here uh but here we are at the end of another one about to start 2023 and i figured why not uh go back over our favorite plays of the year so uh, you want me to start should i go ahead and start with my play of the year do it why not my play of the year happened in the uh, nba playoffs last year it involved al horford the second most famous american athlete who's from the dominican republic and uh, the Eastern Conference Finals. It was the Eastern Conference semifinals. Ah, uh, yes. The and Eastern Conference semifinals. Yep, he got there. the ball, got loose on the baseline, went up over a one Giannis Antetokounmpo, dunked it in his face, and then also elbowed him in the face. Let's take a listen, Jack. Horford gets by Giannis. And one. Al Horford, a primal scream. And Giannis on the deck, chance at a three-point play for Al Horford. Was an elbow to the jaw. It sure was. It sure was. And that's really what punctuated that. Not that I like to see guys getting hurt or anything, but if you'll remember earlier in that game, Giannis dunked on Al Horford and flexed right in his face. And what did Al Horford do? He did what old guys do. He goes, I'm going to remember that, young blood, or whatever he said. And uh, a few minutes yeah. later, there he goes down the baseline, uh, dunks in his face, elbows him in the face, 
That was a fun playoff run. Obviously, it didn't end the way you wanted it to, but it was a very fun playoff run. Celtics got further than they'd ever been before uh, with this group, and um, that was, I think, the most iconic play of the entire time. So that's my 2022 play of the year, Horford uh, dunking on Giannis. What do you got, Kerry? Yep, and first of all, you know, usually when when you you look at somebody like that, oh, yeah, I'm going to remember that. Normally, you don't actually see them get it back like that. I I mean, it's like, yeah. Especially over Giannis. Yeah, you wait for your chance and wait for your chance, but to actually deliver like that and being like, 87 years old being able to dunk on Giannis that's some that's some big time stuff mine was from game one of that playoff run Celtics versus the Brooklyn Nets at the Garden I was there watched it in person nice that was fun for all the uh you know F Kyrie chance that was was, (laughs) that that was that was excellent uh, you know, all all got about that. all game long. Uh, down, that must have been tough for you. Down, down the elevator, it's like it's like if somebody tells me somebody is like, "Hey, man, what's your name?" I'm a lie. I'm gonna tell them a totally different name. Frank, fake, nice to fake, meet you. Fake name, Frank yep, exactly. Thompson. Hi, exactly. <laughs> uh, but my play was watching the ending of that game. Kevin Durant misses what would have been probably a game ceiling shot. The Celtics scoop up the rebound, go the opposite way, and the ball ends up in the hands of Jason Tatum. Let's go. Yeah, no, we ha- we don't have the sound for that, so we're just going to pretend that we do. Kevin Durant misses the shot, and then Jason Tatum picks up the ball, goes to the hoop, and lays it up. Well, wow. there, there was there, it also ended up in the hands of uh, of Jalen Brown first. That's so right. Jalen Brown gets it, drives to the basket, kicks it out to Marcus Smart, who... People were thinking, oh, yeah, this is good. Marcus Smart for the win, right? Marcus Smart pump fakes it, <laughs> heads in towards the basket, finds a pirouetting Jason Tatum while Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are both staring at each other, wondering what in the world just happened. Jason Tatum lays it in. They win the game at the buzzer and go on to sweep the Nets, and that kickstarts their run to the NBA Finals. That is a very, very nice moment, and uh, I think when we get to game of the year, you might be hearing a little bit more about that game you just heard. I just sort of realized that, like, for us and for the town, for the city of Boston, the Celtics are really, I think, the driver of these moments because they're the only ones that had these type of moments to even be had. Yes. Patriots got smoked in the playoffs. So did the, the Bruins. Bruins. The Bruins are, are doing great now. They're, do- they're good now. Yeah. But, and that's but, fine, but, yeah. you know, we'll see how that all ends. The way it ended last year, at the beginning of this year, I should say, yeah. is uh, what sort of drives these big moments. Jackson, what do you got? By the way, Jackson, where are you from? I was wondering. I'm from Hyde Park. You're from Hyde Park? Yeah. That's a Hyde Park accent? That's a Hyde Park accent, yeah. Oh, I know yeah. a lot of people tell me I sound like I'm from the South or the Midwest. I have a lot of uh, a lot of different sounds, I guess. Well, I'll tell you, at the bottom of the list of places I thought you might be from, the Hyde Park's got to be down there. I live right by Hyde Park. Oh, yeah? I, I didn't grow up there or anything, but yeah, I live uh, I live right by the uh, right by the town line. Anyway, what's your uh, play of the year? Uh, my play of the year is a tic-tac-toe goal that the Bruins had in, uh, what was it? I think it was in October, uh, against the uh, Minnesota, um, Jesus, what's the Minnesota year? Wild. Minnesota yeah, Wild. wild. Yeah. I was going to say Wild Cats for some reason, and I was like, that's not right. There's you didn't no say wild Minnesota cats. Vikings. That's good. Yeah. yeah. No, so uh, it was an, an OT. It was one of those great tic-tac-toe goals. Uh, uh, Krejci to, I believe, Pasternak. I remember this goal. Yeah, and then to Taylor Hall. He buries it, and uh, here it is. It was awesome. I think when hockey plays go right, it's one of the most beautiful things in sports. Like a great tic-tac-toe power play goal or a great save. You sound like Doc Emmerich right now. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> when a beautiful pass Crazy. gets made. Pasternak closes. Hall scores! The Bruins win!
It was just a beautiful, go- you know, crazy hat. That was the most beautiful play I've ever seen in my life. He swoops around the, the defenseman and then gets it to, to uh, Pasternak. Pasternak throws it all the way across the ice to Taylor Hall with an open net on the right side and a uh, thing of beauty right The now. only thing better than that play is if they lined up after the game and shook each other's hands like men. That's, That's my favorite in thing in hockey. I'm Doc Emmerich. Yeah, that, excellent. By the way. Knife through. Yeah. Can, can, I, can I throw in a couple of, uh, of, of runner-ups? Yes. That, Let's hear, some, uh, let's hear the uh, also ran. Yes. Also ran, number one, Marcus Jones basically walk-off punt return touchdown mm. from a couple of weeks ago. Once again, I mean, I'm over there in the press box thinking, man, this game's about to go to overtime. Right. I feel horrible about myself. Everybody else hates themselves. We're, we're going to have to watch 10 minutes more of this. Marcus Jones, thank you so much for making sure that that did not happen. And that was his first Touched, that was his first touchdown of his career to yes. that point. And then he went on and, and got his second and third in relatively short order after that big play by him. And then one that I think encapsulates. Hold on. Thanks to that referee, too, for not calling the block in the back on yes. Mac Wilson. Yes, yes absolutely. Yep. Certainly well could have ruined that, that highlight. Definitely could have done so. <laughs> um, and then one play that I think kind of is emblematic of what happened with Boston sports this year. Xander Bogarts hitting a grand slam against the Tampa Bay Rays on October 4th. One of his last, if not the last, big moment with the Boston Red Sox. Just one one more time for us to enjoy it before it was taken away from us in the end. Yes. We all knew it was going to happen. We all knew Xander Bogarts was going to be playing somewhere else. And yet, it doesn't feel any better knowing that it's actually true. Did we really know it was going to happen? I had yeah, faith that they would. And I had the old Fenway faith that they would do it. But uh, I'll no, tell you why. They, they had a million, ta- a million chances to do it. I know, but you, you know these things usually come come together in the last second, and you, you have faith until you. And don't. you know what? People thought that at the I, last second, yep. Jared Carabas and Sean yep. McAdam and yep. all those people. Mm-hmm. All 12, oh, I'm hearing some good things, and you know who yep. kept, you know who was stayed hating? I did. <laughs> I was on the air, and I said, "Don't believe him. I don't believe him. I don't think it's happening." I still think Xander's leaving. And who was right? This guy. Hey, this I, guy was right. Hey, I respect your faith, by the Thank way. You. I, I, I do. You're going to have hope. Yeah. <laughs> Christian Ar- 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 like, hope. abandon all hope, ye who enter here. You know why? Because I was right. <laughs> right. When you're thinking about the Patriots. Would you rather be hopeful or would you rather be right? I'd rather be right than I was. Uh, and there you go. That is uh, the plays of the year of 2022 from uh, myself, Kyrie Thompson, and our uh, guy back there from Hyde Park, Jackson, with his uh, Bruins play as well. We'll have the uh, game of the year. We'll rank all the teams. We'll do some more 2022 stuff later on in the show. Coming up next, we'll be joined by the Boston Herald's Andrew Callahan. We'll break down the Patriots, the Dolphins, and uh, all things playoffs with Callahan that's coming up next.